Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first unofficial Man Up podcast. Today, we have a phenomenal talk given by Father Robert Hagen. He delivered this speech on February 21st of 2019 at the Miraculous Metals Art Museum. Uh, it was recorded on a friend's iPhone. We're lucky to have this. It's all bootleg. It's great. A little word about Father Hagen. Father Hagen currently resides as chaplain of the men's football team and the men's basketball team at Villanova University, as well as associate athletic director. He graduated from Villanova in 1987, went on to get a law degree from Widener University, practiced law for seven years before he entered into the Order, order of St. Augustine. He has also been the chaplain at Thomas Jefferson University Hospital, as well as University of Maryland College Park. He received his master's in theology from Washington Theological Union. Um, this was a great talk. I'm really happy that I'm able to bring this to you. Enjoy. And so, you know, I think I can talk to you <clears throat> I'm preaching to the choir tonight. And anything that I say tonight 
will be something that you probably already know, that your mother, your father, your grandparents, or somebody, a teacher told you, and you saw it as true and you committed to it, and try to live it and try to pass it on. I'll connect it to some of the things that we do with the basketball team, because it's just kind of fun, it gives it a, a, a context. But the reality is, it's, it's stuff you already know. Yesterday's gospel, remember Jesus uh, was with the disciples, and the disciples were all upset with each other because they forgot to bring the bread. You were supposed to bring it. I thought you were bringing it. How come we don't have the bread? I can't believe we don't have the bread. And Jesus picks up on this, and he gets upset too. But he's not upset because they forgot the bread. They forgot him. And so he says, look, I know we don't have any bread. Remember what we did with the 5,000? With the five loaves that we had? Do you remember that? And remember that other time with the seven loaves? We fed 4,000? Do you remember that? Remember that time you caught no fish, but we went back out there with me in your boat and we caught a bunch of fish? Don't ever forget that no matter how much you think you don't have, no matter how many things are broken in your life, that with me and you together, we have everything that we need. And so a lot of times in life, it's a question of remembering. Oh, I forgot that. You know, I got, I got a test. I got a deadline. I got a deal I got to close. And I'm so preoccupied with that that I forgot. Not that Jesus is going to close the deal for me. Not that I'm, I'm going to get an A in every test. I remember we were walking into the uh, arena, the Final Four, 2016. 70,000 fans, right? All this red, they're all Oklahoma fans, screaming, yelling. And I'm walking in with Bill Rafter, you know, good LaSalle boy, Catholic school kid. And this Oklahoma fan spots my collar and he says, hey, Father, you got to pray for both teams. <laughs> and Raph looks right back at the guy and he says, he is praying for both teams. He's praying for his team to win and your team to lose. <laughs> make us win every game, pass every test, and write every deal. It helps us remember. It helps us find patience. It helps us rediscover grace and forgiveness and resiliency to keep going, whether we get the deal or we don't, whether the ball goes in or it doesn't. That's faith. You know that New York Times bestseller, the book out there right now, The Book of Joy. Desmond Tutu, Dalai Lama, having a conversation about how they find peace and joy. Two people who have lived through so much turmoil and violence and hardship with their people. Where do they find it? One of the pillars they describe is perspective. To keep our perspective, when things are going well, or when things are not going so well. And they talk about the, 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 the first astronauts that went to the moon that actually had that vantage point of being on the moon and looking back at that little ball we call Earth in the sky. And putting some context 
to all the things that you and I worry about every day. When they came back, one of them said, you know, I was stuck in traffic. And it used to really frustrate me and tick me off and I get annoyed. And after that vantage point, after returning from that trip, I had a whole new perspective. I looked at the car next to me and I saw a, a woman and a man next to me and I thought to myself, he could be taking his wife to chemotherapy. I looked at the car behind me and I saw a man and, and a young boy in a car, a teenager. He could be dropping his son off at rehab. And it gives him, it gave him perspective. Perspective that we all need in our life. I talk to the kids all the time. I love to talk about Michael Jordan. They're all about LeBron. I have to remind them who Michael Jordan is. <laughs> One of the things he says is, is I lost over 9,000 games in my career. No, I missed over 9,000 shots in my career. I lost hundreds of games. 26 times I was entrusted to take the game-winning shot and miss. I have failed over and over and over in my life. And that is why I succeeded. To be a winner, you have to be a loser. And finding any successful person politician, business, sports, and they will be able to point to times in their life where they were challenged, they were knocked down, and they were faced with the question, how can I get back up? And that takes faith. It takes good people around us, it takes support, it takes a strength that's beyond my own strength. And so we'll talk to our kids all the time about not being afraid to fail. How often does fear of failure impede our performance? Our whole bench will scream out when a guy makes a, a poor play, when he commits a foul, when he makes a turnover, when he misses a, a, a shot, an air ball. Next play. Next play. Translate. You're forgiven. Move on. Jesus, how many times did Jesus encounter people in Scripture? Where after they left his presence and they found peace and forgiveness and renewal, they were able to get, they were able to get back on with the business of living. Don't let your past hurt your present. How many of us are walking around with things that happened today? Yesterday, 20 years ago, and they're just weighing us down. Jesus is up on that cross for me and for you and for all the mistakes that we make. Not because we're perfect, because we're not. And it's what we all have in common. And when we go through those experiences with faith and with people who help us and the wisdom that we take from it and the grace to get back up, it makes us better for the next experience. When Jesus journeyed from Galilee to Jerusalem, the most direct route was through Samaria. But nobody went through Samaria because 
Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. So you wouldn't take the most direct route. You would go around Samaria. So you didn't have to deal with the tension. You didn't have to deal with the hardship. You didn't have to deal with the conflict. When Jesus journeyed with his disciples, what did they do? They went through Samaria. And Jesus was basically saying, look, we're, we're, we're not going to avoid these people. We might actually learn something from them. We might actually make some friends there. We might discover something about them and them about us that we never knew before. And hearts and minds will be changed. And so they went through Samaria. How many things in our life, how many challenges in our life, how many failures in our life would we have rather gone around? and avoid the hassle, the sweat, the tears. How many people do we know much rather not go through chemo, not go through rehab, not go through reconciliation? But we do. And the key being we go through them together, not alone. We go through them with Christ. And the peace and the grace and the forgiveness and the strength of the Holy Spirit. And that makes all the difference when we go through those things that we'd rather go around. And so we cannot talk about any championship or two out of three without first talking about the failure. And Jay knows I say this is public, public knowledge. You know, he's won two, two out of the last, last three national championships. He also has the worst record of any single season at Villanova. He's 13 and 19. No coach at Villanova has a record worse than that. And he'll tell you what he learned and how he learned it and the tough lessons that he had to reapply and reapply. And all those guys that were cutting the nets down in 2016 were the same guys who were crying in the locker room in 2015 when we ran out on the first weekend. And we came into that locker room and all these big tough guys you see on TV are in that locker room with broken hearts and they're in tears for how much they put into this. And we did what we do in the locker room before and after every game, before Coach Wright says a word about the game before he says a word about how we play, we join hands and we say our prayers. Win or lose in thanksgiving to God for the opportunity to compete and to be together and to learn from our experiences and put this in proper perspective. And then, we talked about not letting this define who we are. In business, in life, in sports, you gotta decide how you're gonna keep score. If, if it's just about the bottom line, if it's just about the bank statement, if it's just about your points per game, well then that's, that's gonna produce one result and that's gonna, that's gonna produce one state of mind. But there's a broader view, a deeper view of how we define ourselves, how we define the experience, the impact that we're making on one another. And so we gotta decide how we're gonna define ourselves in moments of success and failure in order to move forward.
Once again, these are the values that you know. But we're called to remember. Years ago, one of our uh, one of our guys went to the, we put in a game. Jay says, come on, you're in first in the first half. He runs up to the scores table, he checks in, he takes off his sweat jacket, he goes in, he forgot to have his jersey on. <laughs> it was in the pavilion. I mean, it's one thing to make a mistake, it's another thing for 6,000 people to see you make that mistake. I guarantee you, he never forgot to put his jersey on again. <laughs> so we made a mistake. We all do. Next play. You're forgiven. Move on. What'd you learn from it? We all make them. And so, you know, we'll say, what came from that? Well, one of the things that comes from it is humility. And we say constantly on our team, within our program, our humility is our strength. There's two kinds of people in this world. Those who are humble, and those who are not. You live life long enough, you're in and out business deals, you raise your kids, you go here or there, you're gonna be humble. I talk to our kids all the time, they capture Villanova-itis. You know what Villanova-itis is? Everybody did well on their SATs. Yeah, I didn't either. But relatively. Everybody was kind of had their thing together to, to get into college or to get your job or get to the next level that you strive to get to. What happens is when you get to that next level, everybody else is talented too. The person to your left and the person to your right is also really good, is also really smart. And so the temptation is sometimes to play the comparison game. She's better looking than me, he's smarter than me, he's more connected than I am. And if we're not careful, we become so jealous of what other people have instead of appreciating and valuing our own gifts. Celebrate what somebody else is good at. Good for them. That's what teams do. If we can all put our gifts at the center for the benefit of all, we'll all do well. One head, many parts, and the body of Christ. And everybody makes a contribution. And our humility is our strength. Greg Popovich, great world champion, San Antonio Spurs, you know, five or six world championships. He was asked, what do you look for when you recruit a player? You can imagine the answers, you know, we look for, uh, you know, bench press, average points per game. You know, he said when he was asked what they look for when they recruit a player, first of all, he said, we look for people, he didn't even say player. We look for people who are over themselves, who are willing to fit in to a system, who are willing to be part of a team, part of a whole, like your businesses, like our families. Not everybody has to be the star. Are you willing to make a contribution and understand that our collective contributions make us more than the individual parts? That's what we're looking for. And when these scouts come to campus and they're getting ready to, uh, they're thinking about investing millions of dollars in, in, in actually picking one of these guys in the, in, the, in the first or second round, they'll come around and they'll start talking to us 
And they're not asking about how their jump shot is. Well, how do they treat, how do they treat the managers? Are they on time? How does he treat his girlfriend? And so these qualities, these things that our parents and our grandparents taught us, these things, these values that are in, that, that are in the Bible aren't just passe, irrelevant. They actually make better people do great things for a common good. And people are starting to figure out that these values actually translate. And so it's not the kind of thing that we're just preaching on Sunday. As we said in the beginning, our faith into the everyday. Our humility is our strength. Talk to the kids about Muhammad Ali. I have to remind them who Ali was. Right? He was Will Smith. Will Smith played in the movie. Right? But they know. Right? He was the greatest. I am the greatest. Right? Arguably the greatest world champion heavyweight fighter of all time. He was, he was smart. He was an activist. He was athletic. He was passionate. Literally referred to himself as the greatest. He was contacted by a friend and asked if he would go down to a inner city, uh, south side of Chicago hospital to go visit a 12-year-old boy who was dying of cancer. And Ali said, absolutely, I'll go down there. And so Ali makes his way down to the hospital, he finds the room, he walks in the room with all the bravado, and he said, young man, I'm Muhammad Ali. I'm the greatest champion ever lived. And me and you, we're going to knock out cancer again. And Ali said the boy looked back at him with peace and serenity in his face. And he said, no, I'm going to die. And when I die, I'm going to meet God. And when I meet God, I'm going to tell him what you tried to do something. And Ali said he was never more humbled in all his life. And never more acutely aware of from whom his gifts come and what he was called to do with his platform. You all have a platform. You all have the same values. And sometimes we forget and sometimes we get it backwards. And sometimes we get distracted. Coach Wright talks to our kids all the time about 94 by 50 feet. 94 by 50 feet. What's 94 by 50 feet? Dimensions of a basketball court. If you're focused on everything outside, who's selling the popcorn, and how pretty the girl is in the third row, you're not going to be focused on what we're trying to do here together. And so, hey, night before the game, manager walks around with a pillowcase, put your phone in the pillowcase. Put your phone in the pillowcase. Because there's a lot of distraction there. And we want to be plugged into our phones. We want to be plugged in to us. We want to be plugged into our higher power. We want to be plugged into the game plan. And we all know that distraction, it's not just the millennials, it's all of us. We're all tied to this thing. And how liberating is it when you get to turn it off, take a ride in your car, and leave everything off, go for a walk on the beach, 
breath. Remember who's with you, who's, who's never going to forget you, who forgives you, and where you take your strength. God's like elevator music. It's always playing. We just don't always tune into it because we got so much other noise going on. And so we stay in the 94 by 50 feet. We block out those distractions. Remember Peter? He's in the boat with the disciples. And it's stormy. And it's raining. But he sees Jesus walking on the floor. Well, what's Peter doing? He's focused. He pops out of the boat. And he walks on water towards Jesus. Then what happens? Lost focus. I wonder what those guys are saying about me in the boat. Whoa, this water is pretty deep. These waves are pretty cold. This rain's right in my face. Lost his focus. Took his focus off the one who was with him. Off this relationship with Jesus. Put it on all the external noise that we all do. That's what he said. Jesus didn't let him sing. He didn't condemn him. Put his hand down. And pulled him back up. And people love to say, oh, Peter doubted. Peter lost his faith. How about at least Peter hopped out of the boat? He tried. Just like me and you. We're trying. Sometimes we feel like we're sinking. Sometimes you're walking on water. <laughs> Keep your focus. It's a challenge. One of the great things I love about the NCAA tournament, it matches up perfectly with the season of Lent. It just does. <laughs> it matches up uh, with so you the season focus. of Lent. <laughs> you want to start concentrating on things that matter. I didn't come up with this. You know, we got to give something up. Make a sacrifice. Do some community service. Help the person next to you. <clears throat> and so we try to incorporate those values as we move through these, these dull days of winter into spring. And so, you know, in 2016, we're playing an NCAA tournament game, Sweet 16 game. If we win, we get to beat, play Kansas. And we play them on Holy Thursday. And every game, we will take a passage from Scripture, read it, reflect on it, talk about how it applies to our life, eat our meal, take our spiritual food, then our, then our real food, get taped up, go in the locker room, play the game. Every game, that's the same ritual. Well, it's Holy Thursday. Let's use that gospel. And Jesus is teaching us, and teaching his disciples, and teaching our team, hey, if you remember nothing else in my life, this is getting to the end now. It's not about being served. It's about serving. It's not about what I can get, it's what I can give. And in the typical Jesus fashion, he doesn't say, do as I do, I do as I say, do as I do, and he gets down on his knees and he washes the feet of his disciples. Hey guys, we can do that. I've got two pictures right here. 
It's not an exercise you just try for fun. You're physically tough, you're more mentally tough, and you're spiritually tough. And they were open to it. And so Jay takes off his socks and shoes, and I wash his feet. I don't know if anybody read his book. The first foot washed was iced tea. I asked the waiter for water, he gave me two steel pitchers, and it was iced tea in the <laughs> And he just looked at me and kind of smiled, and it didn't take anything away from what we were doing. And we slid over the other pitcher that had water in it. <laughs> and Ryan Archidiakono took off his socks and shoes, and Jay washed his feet, and Ash and Arch washed Josh Hart's feet, and Josh Hart washed Chris Jenkins' feet, and Chris washed Daniel Chefu's feet, and they washed the manager's feet, they washed the kids who do the laundry's feet, they washed the assistant coach's feet, they washed the assistant coach's wife's feet, because we have a saying on our team, our status is different, but our roles are the same. And you know that from running companies, whether it's a secretary, the janitor, or the CFO. Everybody matters. And to have a company and a culture that celebrates that, where people really feel valued and that they matter and that they're a part of it, that's a powerful force. That's how we took the court. Didn't pray to win. Just pulled our collective strength and asked God to help us do our best. They did their best. Did pretty well. We came in the locker room, prayed as we always do before Coach had opened his mouth about the game, and then the first thing that Coach Jay Wright said after we prayed, hey guys, you know what we did tonight? We washed each other's feet. And they all knew what that meant. Fast forward, get to Monday night, National Championship against North Carolina. Pre-game meal, just like we always do. If we were 35 and five, that was our 40th time together in this way with the gospel to reflect on what we're about to do. St. Paul, I can do all things through human strength. It takes the pressure off, doesn't it? We can do all things through the one who strengthens us. Not, not what I'm going to do, what we can do together. I want to say it a third time, just, just for a fact. I can do all things, and Josh Hart, my third row. Through him who strengthens me. Got us focused. That's how we took the court. Up by 10, blow that lead. 4.7 seconds left. Jay calls a play that they have run a thousand times in practice. You didn't even have to draw it up. He drew it up just because. They all knew what it was. It's called Nova. Socrates, we are what we do. We are what our habits are. Go to Mass. You say your prayers. You go to reconciliation. You, do, you try to help your neighbor. 
You're in a routine. You're in a rhythm. That's a good way to live your life. They'd run this play a thousand times. There was no fear in that huddle. There was confident eyes all around. And the week before, we had lost the Big East Championship in Madison Square Garden to Seton Hall by two when we went to run, this, run the same play that we failed that night because somebody slipped. Because we ran the inbounds play over where the other team has their timeout huddle and there's a lot of sweat and water that gets over there. And so the week prior, or two weeks prior, we ran the same play in the garden for the Big East Championship. Somebody slipped and we didn't succeed on the play and we lost. Fast forward, Monday night, 4.7 seconds. Call Nova, go out there on the play. What does Daniel Jeffrey do? He grabs a mop and mops the floor. <laughs> we talk all the time as a team about Martin Luther King and the street sweeper. You talk to your employees. You talk to talk about your roles. Martin Luther King, if you're a if you're a street sweeper, then sweep streets the way Michelangelo painted. Sweep streets the way Shakespeare wrote poetry. And let it be said at the end of your life, there goes the best street sweeper to God ever made. So Daniel became the street sweeper. You talk to your kids, you know, not everybody's going to play. Not everybody's going to get to take the last shot. Not everybody gets the ball. What can I do to make a contribution? I'm going to mop the floor. Play wasn't called for Daniel. He never saw the ball. He wasn't going to take the shot. He did what he could do. Inbound the ball. But right before the inbound, Chris Jenkins says to Arch, you know, every time we've inbound the ball tonight, nobody guards him. That play was called for Ryan Archie Diakono. He was this four-year captain. He was a captain from his freshman year on that team, on that program. Four years he was captain. It was his play. Shoot, go to the rim, get fouled, get to the line. It's all for you. Except what? His brother was over. You know, you think about it when you're in the driveway in your backyard and you're, you know, you're, you're eight years old in your driveway and you're counting down. Five, four, three, two, one. Pass. Nobody practices the pass. That's the, that's the dream shot. But our humility is our strength. Give it up. It's for the good of everybody. Shot goes in. Cut down the nets. Confetti in our ears. Come in the locker room. First thing we did.
the same thing we said in 2015. Don't let this define who you are. Let's not let this be the best thing that ever happens to us. Go out and use this in a meaningful way to make an impact in somebody else's life. Go out and be good teachers and good coaches and good fathers and good members of society. Fly back to Philly, I-95 is closed. Police escort back to campus. That was Tuesday, Wednesday morning. Ryan Archidiakono and Daniel Chefu were in the basement of a family in Havertown who have a, a boy suffering cancer. NBC News, ESPN, they all wanted to come with. He said, no, this is just between us and them. And humility is our strength. Josh Hart went last. And there were 2,000 people in the pavilion for this banquet. And there's nobody up on stage except Josh, and he comes up and he says, you know, uh, people compliment me all the time on my toughness. Let me tell you why I'm so tough. Mom and Dad, would you please come up here? make their way up now their own stage. His mom is like four foot two inches tall. <laughs> and he says, you know, she's a waitress in a restaurant. She works double shifts and she needs two knee replacements. And her knees are bone on bone and she does what she does so that I could have an opportunity like this. And then he points to his dad. His dad's already crying. And he's a big, strong-looking man. And he said, he's a chef in a country club. And he works the night shift, so he could never come to any of my games or my practices. So after my practice was over, my game was over, he would take me in his car, we would drive up to the playground, and he would shine the lights of his car on the basket and we would shoot baskets until the battery of his car would go dead. He said, that's toughness. And that's gratitude. All of us are beneficiaries of someone else's help, assistance, God's love, some luck, some good breaks, some gifts. None of us has it all. Our roles are different. Our status is the same. Humility, gratitude, 
not full of ourselves, taking what we have and sharing a little bit with others. We've had some success. We got drilled last night. Doesn't mean we're going to win every game. But we have succeeded, not because we have the best facilities, not because we have all the most talented players. We succeed not because we have all the smartest coaches. We succeed because we love each other. In a family, in a business, in a church, in a world where people feel valued, appreciated, forgiven, and loved. You can do some incredible things. And so, you know, I'm grateful for the invitation to be with you all tonight. I'm inspired by your faith, the way you're trying to live it in the day-to-day. I can only encourage you in your sacramental life. It's real. You know it's real. The, 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 the work and the love and the faith behind this artwork is speaking to all of us. Thank you for the incentives, for the work that you do, for the shrine, the corporate sponsors. Be sure of my prayers for your intentions, for your families. The rest, God bless you. Thank you.